Podcast Network Asia. But I think my advice would be to start learning your history. Because there's this great quote that I learned in college, and a lot of uh, Filipino scholars and researchers say this too, and it's, no history, no self. No history, no self. Hi, I'm Jarek. And I'm Apple. And you're listening to the Langaspeaks Podcast. Join us every week as we talk about family, faith, and everything in between. Now powered by Podcast Network Asia and Podmetrics. Hey everyone, welcome to the Langaspeaks Podcast. This is me, Jarek. And this is Apple. Welcome back, mga langa. Yes, today is a special episode like everything, every single episode that we You know we what have. we always say it every week? <laughs> Pero sa totoo lang, every week talaga is special. Yeah, but, but they believe it, so... I think that's what matters the most. Grabe siya. <laughs> yeah. Our guest for today is all the way from a different time zone. I know. Yes. Sobrang saya. I'm like so excited. Actually, you know, when we first met her, how many months ago, mm. um, and we heard her story, mm. um, I was actually pretty excited because I've never really spoken to someone who really has a passion for this form of art before. Yes, I've never met anyone in this li- lineage. Wow, lineage. Lineage. <laughs> <laughs> spell. <laughs> so without further ado, let me just give a brief introduction to our guest for today. And of course, we'll dive into her story on mm. on why she has this uh, topic. Mm. I think it's it's very timely because uh, recently, we just celebrated the Araw ng Kagitingen. Translation, manga, please. Yeah, but anyway, there's no. I don't want to translate it because Why? I might get it wrong. Buti na lang alam mo. Our langa guest for today mm. is all the way from America. Mm. Uh, Justin Ramos is a poet. That is why uh, this is our first time having a poet in our show. Yeah, she's a Filipino-American poet who has been uh, very, very passionate about yep. finding her own, you know, finding and, and living out her heritage and bringing, it, bringing that story forward. She's also a UCLA graduate. Wow. Taking occupational therapy. You took the occupational therapy. I think she's doing her doctorate, which later on we'll ask her about it. And she's the author of Halo Halo, which is coming out this month. Woohoo! Yeah. So, without further ado, please welcome Justin Ramos to the Langas Speaks Podcast. Hi, Justine. Hi, Justine. Hello, hello. Thank you for having me. What a great introduction. <laughs> what an introduction. These this people are on steroids. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I was hyped up a lot. I'm kind of nervous now. <laughs> yeah, Justine. Um, yo, so so um, we are so excited to have you here at our podcast. And we mentioned about how you are an artist, mm-hmm. despite being you a graduate of occupational therapy. Can you share more, for those who don't know about that art form, can you share about yeah, that how, art form? How did you merge those? Like, is it related in some way? Like, you're taking a different course, but at the same time, on the side, you're you're pursuing this kind of passion that you have right now. Yeah. So, um, growing up, I've always loved poetry, but I also mm. had a strong appreciation for healthcare and uh, wanting to help people. And I couldn't quite figure out how to do both because it seems so unrelated how could you take care of people medically therapeutically but also want to write poetry and and have your voice heard in the world um but as i grew up i realized why are we treating these things as separate entities you know why can't you do both 
And with occupational therapy, it's so much more of a creative field that you could really use poetry as therapy for other people. And when I started volunteering for my occupational therapy um, hours, I used poetry in one of my um, the clinics that I was working at um, for adults with brain injuries. Whoa. And I had them write poems um, because they were having a lot of uh, trouble processing their trauma from their injury, whether it be from, you know, an accident or maybe they were abused or, or something. They, they didn't like to talk about it. So when we did it in a poetry form, though, they were able to really get all those emotions out. And after that, that exercise that we did, they really, really enjoyed it. And they felt more comfortable um, speaking about their past and, and their medical history. So um, that was when I found this tiny kind of sliver of, of connection mm. between um, healthcare and poetry. And I love to merge those things together. So that's where I'm at now. Wow. That's uh, really halo halo. <laughs> <laughs> you share mixing it all up. Yeah, yeah right. exactly. So you shared that um, uh, that that you know you have that, that. Well, we spoke about you having a degree in occupational. Uh, was that uh, occupational science, right? And how you were able mm -hmm. to include your love for poetry, but. If we're not mistaken, you also have a family background in mm. the medicine medicinal field, um, oh, which yeah. which is the reason why you are now in the states, right? Can you share about mm. that, like how it yeah, all began? Uh, yeah, my so my parents immigrated here when I was two and a half years old, mm -hmm. and at that time there was a shortage of nurses in the Philippines, and um, on top of that, I also had uh, some medical issues that could not be solved in the Philippines. They didn't have the technology at that time to really treat me. So I was being treated here in America. Both my parents were nurses. and um, But the thing is, with uh, immigrating to America, as with a, uh, education from the Philippines, is that uh, a lot of the times you're forced into jobs that weren't in your degree. Because, you know, your education, your education in the Philippines is not... Up, up to par quote-unquote here in america right um which is terrible it happens to a lot of uh, our fellow filipinos who with uh, really good degrees in the philippines so my parents took up uh, work as caregivers and uh, eventually after a few years my dad passed the NCLEX and my mom decided that she didn't want to be a nurse anymore so that might have been a good thing on her end um but yes that my family does have a really strong history and uh um, in the healthcare and medical fields, but mm. you know, surprisingly, they never forced that upon me. Um, That's I true. Really, That's true. Yeah, they never forced that upon me. I just really, I grew up with caregivers, you know, and I grew up in nursing homes and the uh, and the houses of of the patients that they took care of, and I saw how much love and energy they poured into their patients and how much of an impact you could really leave um, to these patients and how they remember you forever, you know, even when they pass away, they, they still have you in mind, whether that be through letters that they wrote or in their will, <laughs> if mm. you're lucky. But um, yeah, their families will always remember you. And um, I really, really love that part. You know, Justin, we're kind of interested on, on your background, on how 
you went to the states at around two years old, and then but but you the the work that we're currently gonna discuss in this episode is is all about the Filipino identity, the Philip the Filipino identity that you you kind of resonated well with, and mm-hmm. has that always been with you in your journey? Like, because a lot of I mean. A lot of our kababayans back home, they they wanted to go to the states to escape the Philippines. Like they want right. to escape their identity. Most of us mm-hmm. are like that. So, and yet you yeah. who live in you know the the greener pasture for most of the Filipinos living in the Philippines, mm-hmm. you are very very proud of your Filipino heritage. What is it? Um, what is it that had that spark sayo, in that until now you're still very proud of where you you came from uh your your yeah. you know your your lineage from the Philippines where does it where does it all come from like all the stereotyping you know that, yeah mm-hmm. yeah you know that's interesting um to me that a lot of our kababayans um, want to escape their identity from the Philippines and i think a lot of that comes from uh, our colonial mentality and mindset of you know being taught at such an early age that America is the is the only place to be. It's where you want to live for the rest of your life. You know the Philippines is is not uh, where you should grow up and where you should find your your living and raise your family, right? And um, I think it's also interesting that even if I am here, I've spent my a lot my whole life longing. To be in the Philippines, longing to find that connection back to my culture, but you know it wasn't always like that, and it's because that it's in in America, um, Filipinos are a great minority within the Asian community. There's not a lot of um, sense of, I guess, uh, bayanihan mm. here, right? There's not a there's That's when interesting. you meet other Filipinos, yeah. When you meet other Filipinos, they're either not wanting to talk about their Filipino identity, they don't really know much about their Filipino identity, and they're very much focused on just living and thriving here in America and adapting to the culture here. Um, but I grew up with with my family who never let me let go of our values in the Philippines. They never let me forget the Galog. They taught me Filipino history. They taught me how to write um, in Tagalog. They, you know, had me, we only spoke Tagalog in the house. We only watched Filipino um, TV shows in the house. We only watched movie, t- Filipino movies I think relate the house, Filipino Apple music. Yeah. <laughs> we, um, we, never, we never really wanted to conform into American culture. Mm. And I think it's because American culture didn't want us as much as we thought they did. Mm. Um I, I think that it started. I think that's just just to cut you there. I mean, like, I think this is one of the biggest challenges that you guys have there right now. I mean, it's become more uh, prominent. It's on the it's on the news. All of this. Uh, oh yeah. The American Asian society hate. not wanting Asian Asians, um, and kahit na parang you're welcome there. But when you're there, like what Justin is saying right now, she doesn't feel that she's welcome there. Mm-hmm. So. Apple, did you, did you feel the same thing here? I think it's different here. Because mm. um, here in the UAE, because 
Um, I've been, li- I, I moved, well, my parents brought me here when I was three months old, but overall, the UAE is, is an expat community. Mm. You're not allowed to become citizens as opposed to the US. Oh, yeah, so you know that you are not really yes. ever going to become a citizen. So you don't have that expectation that you would be um, accepted as an Emirati. But because of that, there is an openness and the transparency now, mm. okay, you're living here, but you know where your boundaries lie, as opposed to Justine's, the states, yeah. as opposed to Justine, and many other cases like her that, you know, they move to the states expecting to be adopted as one of their own, mm. but they will never, like you mentioned, um, they don't really fully welcome you, embrace you the way they, you expected, right? So how did, how did you cope? Yes. The, so how did you cope up with that, Justine? Like, at home, it, it's uh, it's all about the a Philippines, piece of home, a piece yeah. of home. But then how do you bring that outside home? Like, how do you maintain your your yep. balance or your, mm-hmm. let's say, just sanity on how I can make this work out like a halo-halo? You know, how, how, how can I make <laughs> this work out when I go out? Oh, man, that's a hard question. And, and I could not figure that out until college it was it was kind of like a light switch you know at home you turn off your american switch and you turn on your filipino switch and then back in the uh back when you go back to school you turn off your filipino switch and you turn on your american switch um and it was it was so hard i mean i couldn't i didn't even want to admit that i was filipino I didn't want to bring Filipino food to school. Uh, I specifically remember, I have a, actually have a poem talking about this. Um, um, and it's called um, Kain Na. Uh, my, my tita would make me baon, right? He would, she would make me baon of um, menudo or adobo. She'd make it in a pack for me already, but I would never take it. And I said, um, tita, I'm sorry, I can't take that to school. Mm. And she and I would have to bring like a peanut butter jelly sandwich, <laughs> you know, something <laughs> super American that I noodle. If you I open know. it in the cafeteria, for sure, you will get the attention that <laughs> of you need. everybody. Yes. <laughs> there might be a boodle oh, fight in, in 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 that uh, cafeteria. I haven't seen a movie with a boodle fight. <laughs> That's right. That oh, might man. be the first. But one time, but yeah, what was it like brought... in school? Yeah, what was it like in school? Oh, it was so hard. I mean, I remember one time. One time. I brought um what did I bring? Don't tell I me brought you brought to you. <laughs> no, I <laughs> brought something worse. I brought dinaguan. <laughs> I brought dinaguan. I brought dinaguan to school. It's my favorite. It's my super my super favorite. And oh wow. I was eating it in the cafeteria. And actually I like to eat dinaguan um with my hands. You know, and I put banana on my dinaguan. I think that's weird, but I do that. <laughs> <laughs> I think it, it complements because of the sweetness of the okay. banana yeah, mixed yeah, with right? the sour whatever. Oh, yeah, sour saltiness. Yes. And they're like, they looked at me, they're like, what is that? And I was like, oh, it's blood. It's pork's blood. Oh my God. I was I was bullied for the whole year. Wow. <laughs> you should have said chocolate. Chocolate. It's chocolate. Chocolate. <laughs> chocolate. Yeah, it's chocolate pork. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and even my teacher, she would tell me she'd be like, "Oh, you know, you shouldn't bring food that is um, too that's difficult, aromatic, aromatic, <laughs> or odorous. 
<laughs> aromatic. Well, but, well, but like smoked barbecue isn't that aromatic. Why is that allowed in the school? Because ours is marinated for for so many. No, we have spices hours. that most, but that most are not aware of. But okay. But as we go further, I want to discuss on the other half of this show on on the work that she has done through the Halo Halo right. book that she's about to launch. Uh, but before that, let's just take a quick break. Okay, hold on mga langga. Before we continue with the episode, I'm sure some of you are wondering how we collaborate with brands here in Langa Speaks. And with that, we use Podmetrics. So if you have a podcast, sign up now at podmetrics.co and use the code Langa Speaks. That's one word, capital L, Langa, and capital S, Speaks. That way you can also help support our show as well. Oh, and if ever you're an advertiser who wants to collaborate with us, head on over to advertiser.podmetrics.co and fill up the form. Again, that's Podmetrics, the, the easiest way, way to, to monetize, monetize your podcast. podcast. And so we're back on our show. Reminiscing about Tinuguan. Yes. Justin uh, just gave us a, a very good insight on the reaction of the, the Dinuguan. <laughs> Dinuguan Nation. Sa totoo lang naloka ako ah. Kailangan natin i-mainstream talaga yung Dinuguan na yan. Yun na lang kaya title nito, Dinuguan. Dapat nung halo-halo naging Dinuguan. Naging main core. Bakit halo-halo naman yung Dinuguan? Halo-halo ng Dugo. O, tama, 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 tama. Oh, even Halo Halo. Oh my goodness. We had a presentation um, about our very favorite dessert in grade school. <laughs> and I chose Halo Halo. And I was so excited. I was writing this whole project. I even made a Halo Halo like, diagram. Uh, painting yeah. diagram. I even brought examples in a jar. And uh, when we, I was the last one to present, I was watching my classmates. And they're like, apple pie. And uh, root beer flow and like, you know, all these very American desserts. And I came up and I started explaining and everyone was so confused. <laughs> they, were like, <laughs> they were like, I think everyone would definitely uh, so get confused. confused. I got confused. <laughs> now, they, now there's like so much hybrid halo-halo. Yeah. So, but, you know, Justine, just, just on the first half of our show, you were telling us about, you know, Growing up in the states, I think a lot of our langa listeners who are, are listening right now can relate, especially those in the Philippines that are dreaming to to be in another country. Mm-hmm. Um, in a way, you were saying that it's it wasn't a, an easy uh, childhood, mm. a transition for you, even if you grew most up of there. Your, yeah, grew up here, grew up there. So, as we talk about the work, halo halo. What can you tell about uh, those who are going through? an imposter syndrome that they kind of reject the very thing that they are, their identity. They don't want to do anything with being a Filipino. Right. Yeah. I think uh, Filipinos in general are in this infinite um, state of imposter syndrome, right? Because of how many years we were colonized by different countries Mm -hmm. and we continue to be colonized by different countries and how our education and everything in the Philippines is so colonized and so we never really embrace our Filipino heritage until 
um, we come to until we find that community that embraces it as well. But I think my advice would be to start learning your history. Because there's this great quote that I learned in college, and a lot of uh, Filipino scholars and researchers say this too, and it's, no history, no self. No history, no self. The first history, uh, the first phrase is, learning about your history means that you are able to connect with your cultural identity. But if you don't learn your history, don't know where your ancestors came from, where your family came from, how Filipinos have struggled in America um, for centuries before they even wanted us to be nurses here, and um, then you'll never have that sense of identity. You will never have that sense of pride because you don't know where the people before you came from and how much they um, struggled and fought for your rights to be here today. So I would say the first step is researching your history because it's not available at all in America, in American uh, education. And I think even in um, the Philippines now, they're fighting to keep Filip- uh, Filipino history in schools. And um, that just goes to show the erasure of, um, uh, of our history and the constant colonization that that's could going on in the Philippines. But um, I would start with the history. I thank God for the internet that that's available. Um, There's a lot of good resources on YouTube. My favorite is one of uh, Kuya Kirby Arulo, who's, um, he facilitates a, uh, the Filipino studies department at UC Davis in California. And he also has a Harvard education. There is a wonderful book called Little Manila is in the Heart by Dr. Don um, Mabalon. She was also a UCLA graduate and the first um, Filipina who got a PhD at Stanford University. Wow. And she just passed away recently from cancer. Um, But, you know, we still have so many moves to, to make here in America to have our stance as Filipinos be known and heard. You know, it's um, it's amazing how you mentioned that, you know, over, there's like a whole erasure like movement, not just in the States, but also in, in the Philippines um, itself. And the work that you are doing is your own uh, contribution in really making sure that the history of the Filipino identity is not lost. So Sayo personally, the Halo Halo um, book that you've that you've written is really showcasing your own experience in bringing forth your Filipino identity. Can you share more about um, that project of yours and where that passion for that project really came about? Yeah. So um, connecting to the previous question, Halo Halo is how I connected to my culture and my identity. I Halo Halo is when. I realize, you know, I've been going through years of imposter syndrome of of flipping the switch. I could only be Filipino at home, but when I step out that door, I can no longer be Filipino. And Halo Halo is a testament to, I think, the strength and resiliency of a lot of Filipino immigrants who've had to go through that switch. And it's a it's a mark. It's a mark that says you don't have to turn on and turn off that switch anymore. You could be authentically who you are. And um, I go through these chapters of Revelation, um, and it starts with history, right? Like I said, no history, no self. 
and the second chapter is culture, history, culture, um, and then there's revelation and revolution, which um, really goes through uh, all of the revolutionary Filipinos here in America and in the Philippines, and the last chapter is identity. So you really need to go through those three and learn about those three in order to be proud of your Filipino culture and identity. And that's how I want other people to kind of come to that conclusion. Um, and it was really inspired by the um, the college classes I took at UCLA, that I never had a Filipino community of young people my age here in America until college. There's a huge, huge organization um, called Samahang uh, Filipino. And below those organizations that branch out are Filipino studies classes. And actually, we just established the first Filipino studies minor in California. Wow. Uh, wow. in, uh, in the among the UCs, yeah. Um, and we fought for years to get this. And um, it's amazing. It's amazing that all of these Filipino students can now take these classes and learn about their history. But That's really, great. it wasn't until college where I was able to learn all of this. And I thought that this information should be accessible to everybody that is you know, true. not not just people who are able to you know get into ucla or afford college you know this should be available to people in elementary school or middle school or high school i think it's the same here i mean here in the uae i mean if you're not part if you're not in a filipino school you won't get the option to to learn more about your culture mm. right? I, man, I studied in um, a British curriculum school for elementary and then we had the option mm-hmm. for young uh, to have Filipino uh, we would have a fil- Filipino class um, although everything went like over the head for me like, and it's I, like, not it's not it's about like over the head. It's there's no history that's not preaching but it's like because it wasn't the language we spoke at home mm. um, it was very difficult for me to really appreciate as and I, I knew that I was Filipino and I love being Filipino but there was a disconnect yeah. that I only truly appreciated the Philippines of being a Filipino when I finally went home when I was a teenager mm. and I saw the beauty of the Philippine like the Philippines you know, the, the beaches the scenery the land the mountains the and things like that when I really saw the beauty of the Philippines that's when I was like oh I'm so proud to be a Filipino and I think it's uh, it's very uh, evident here that there is such a big role for parents to, to encourage children to never forget about their heritage which is why we honor. From. Which is why we honor yeah. Justine's parents. Exactly. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, even though the spark was not that strong when she when she was in their sa childhood niya, there was a longing that was planted. The seed was planted in her already to love her country back. Do you have any memories mm-hmm. of yung that you had a hard time switching on, switching off in certain situations? And you were uh, like, ayoko na. This, yeah, uh, I, I'm so tired of switching off and switching on. Yeah. I was like, I, yeah. I'm just a Filipino, whether I'm at home or whether I'm out. Did you have mm-hmm. that moment of? Oh, all the time. Um, there's actually I I, re- I wrote a couple poems about uh, situations like this, and yeah, I it, saw the Balik Bayan box. I, by the way, thank you for for <laughs> sending that to us. Because it's very yeah. personal to you. Yeah, I mean, it's very personal to me as an OFW. Where, where she said that they say home is where the heart is. But what if I haven't found a home here? So I'm like, oh, that that stung deep. Like, <laughs> ah, ah, I'm here for like, <laughs> I'm, I'm turning 10 years. I'm, I turned 
just 10 years, 10 years. Yeah, being in right. this country. And that is true. Like you, you leave a piece of home. But what's what's su- surprising to you, Justine, as I talk to you right now is you didn't have to have that uh, longing because you were there from the beginning. But to be able to have that love for your country, I, I truly honor you for that. So can you oh, can you. you give us like sa mga listeners natin, no? how, how can they maintain that connection back home like despite the uh, the resistance the, despite the contradictions that they can get wherever they are especially for us OFWs here how can they maintain that connection that love that you have right now I would say first um, if they're you know fortunate enough uh, in the Philippines to always stay connected with your family members to always remember that they are there um, for you just as much as you are there for them. I think a lot of OFWs find this kind of um, struggle to uh, in thinking that you know you you are the only one that they can rely on right now. You know you are their whole sense of um, I guess income, whether it be income or financial support or you know even sending like rudimentary goods to the Philippines. Um, I think we should have that balance of, you know, you are here for me just as I am here for you um, type of situation. Because it gets lonely as OFWs, you know, uh, if you're if you're not married or if you don't have family here, it's extremely lonely and exhausting um, because you can't really talk about your struggles when you call in the Philippines, right? Because when you call, they're like, oh my goodness. And Filipinos are naturally... (laughs) Right? And Filipinos are naturally martyrs. So like, Mm. if they think that what they're going through, the sacrifice they're going through is for the better of their family, they will not share their burden because they just want their family. The the family values are so like ingrained in our Mm. culture. Now, the importance of our family being better like are, are okay kahit na nag, nahihirapan ako okay yeah. lang mm. and I see that it's not I thought it was just you know for people who come to the Middle East looks like even though who go, those who go to the States they also oh, go yeah. through that it's a yeah. even if you universal OFW yeah that's true OFW experience I think so Especially for, for for those who are going to another country like America to get citizenship it's it's almost the same I mean because people tell us that, oh, just sa UAE, never naman kayo magiging uh, citizen dyan. That's why you feel this this longing, yeah. this longing to to go back to the Philippines. But, you know, listening to, to Justine, it's it doesn't differ that much. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, like, I even didn't if know you that. get the citizenship. I didn't know that you couldn't be a UAE, you couldn't be UAE citizens um over no. There. No, Habibi, we cannot. It's a huge factor into why a lot of uh, UAE OFWs from the Philippines are still very connected to their culture and long to go back yeah. to the Philippines. Yeah. Because here, there's always that chance, right? That chance to get married to a yeah, U.S. citizen, that chance to get petitioned, to not go back, but um, <laughs> TNT. TNT, yeah. But I think there's yeah. um, because they have that slight chance here, even though it's very, very, very small, and it takes years. Um, they are willing to give up that their culture and their identity um, to mold and be melded into American culture. Mm. You know? But I also think. 
American culture is also Filipino culture. Filipinos have made such a huge impact in United States history here that gets overshadowed all the time. And I like to tell, you know, my, my relatives that, that they shouldn't give up parts of themselves that, you know, that was in the Philippines just so they could fit in here because they have always contributed to the richness of America and the cultural heritage of America. Thank you for that. I mean, that message alone can be such an encouragement to a lot of Filipinos who are, especially in the situation now, everyone's like, ah, it's hard to be Filipino. Exactly. It's so hard to be a Filipino. Our passport's the worst ever, that yes. kind of thing. So <laughs> anyway, before we, we go into that muddy conversation, I'd like to tackle more sensitive stuff. Uh, before, But before that, Mangalanga, I just want to invite you to Listen up for this short break. Hi, my name is Leila Jerusalem. Check out Partially Pinoy, a podcast where we dive into the stories of those who are redefining what it means to be Filipino. Powered by Podcast Network Asia and available on all podcast platforms. And we're back, Mangalanga. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, yeah, just you know what? Um, because you sent us a couple of your your poems, um, for us to read, and thank you for that. Um, but there there were some points there that I was like, whoa, uh, it really resonated well. Even though I did not grow up in the states, there was this one poem, um, Glutathion. <laughs> yes, uh, not really. I read it as well. Yeah, yeah, Glutathion. One, it was um. It was interesting to me because one, Jarek used to sell that. <laughs> <laughs> we gotta talk about that in another episode. Wait, in where another I episode. used to, you know, sell I used to do and uh, sell glutathione oh, to, he had to, to make hu- my friends white. Yeah, he, <laughs> <laughs> he had to hustle. Boys gotta hustle. You know what I mean? Okay. But the second one, there was this one line you mentioned um, that was very interesting to me. Um, when you learn to hate the sun and its love, you learn to hate the skin the heavens painted you in. Um, and it's like it 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 fascinates me. One, because um, growing up here, like even though, because but there's like different skin types and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And usually Filipinos are lumped in with you know a more of being a morena or morena type skin, mm-hmm. um, and that like that. But because my parents don't really have the morena um, coloring, um. They would all often like some some of our friends would be like ay buti pa yung mga fuentes kasi hindi kayo moreno gin ganyan mas puti yung itsura nyo and I would be like what does that have to do with anything <laughs> I mean hindi ko naman pinili as in like but even then kahit ganun like I would feel like oh am I a substandard Filipino because I don't have the morena look oh um or are morenos like substandard Filipinos because you know inaasa nila na mag na pumute. that's why they like, I mean like what was it like for you hearing all of that I'm sure in the states to hear comments about skin color especially about Filipino what was your experience oh yeah I um, I relate completely to you because I as I don't know if you could tell but I'm very pale <laughs> I, <laughs> both my parents are um, the palest in their families they look the nothing alike uh, with their siblings. Their siblings are all morenos and morenas. Um, but yeah, I would always get, you know, you're you're really light-skinned to be Filipino. Or, 
you know, you're super pale for a Filipino or are you mixed uh, Chinese? Or are you mixed white? Because you, you're super. Is your soap pale. papaya? Exactly. I would, I, would get, I would get those <laughs> comments. Is your soap papaya? And I would get the, no, I would get those comments. They're like, are you mixed? Are your parents like not full Filipino? And I'm like, no, I'm Filipina. And then they're like, no, you're too pale skin. And I'm like, what is that supposed to Do you do maxi peel? Ganon. Are you less Filipino because you Exactly, because... Exactly. What did, what was your experience with um, growing up in the states with that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, at first, I you know I was conditioned to think of this as a compliment, which is crazy to me because a comment such as "Oh my God, you're so white, you're pretty," it doesn't really connect. Like, how does my skin color <laughs> correlate to That's me true. being beautiful? You know, exactly. Um, and I think it also shows the the standard um, of this like preconditioned standard that people have in their heads of what a Filipino person looks like, right? Um, And we come in different sizes, shapes, and colors. (laughs) You know what I mean? And um, But we also have to recognize uh, our, I guess, privilege as lighter-skinned Filipinos because in the Philippines, I guarantee you, I get better service than my Moreno and Morena cousins. Um, and mm. we have to recognize the colorism that um, goes on in the Philippines and how we benefit from that and how we can fight against it, which is why I wrote that uh, poem, Glutathion. But I assure you, as one lighter-skinned Filipina to another, that you are not less of a Filipina person because of your skin color. <laughs> I'm, I'm so reassured. <laughs> yes, because you have your nose. <laughs> I know I have my nose. Yeah. At least I know that very Filipino yung nose. Ko. But then there was also another one where I think it's yung, uh, the one that struck me as well, your, your poem uh, called Kamay. Mm-hmm. Um, that one um, where you spoke about eating with with yeah. uh, with your hands yes, yeah. and you mentioned that you like eating dinogon with your hands because for us here it's not um because we live in the middle eastern country it's not a weird thing to eat with our hands because yeah. we're surrounded by you know people from the Arabs subcontinent or indians um, they and do they, they do eat with, their, with hands. their hands so for us it's not um it wasn't an awkward thing growing up but for you what was your experience like yeah i mean i touched on this earlier but uh, i would I would try to eat with my hands at, at school. And even if I brought something as simple as like fried chicken and rice, I would always mm. eat with my hands. And my my teacher was like, do you use a spoon and fork at home? <laughs> I'm like, yes, I use spoon and fork at home. And she's like, why are you using your hands then? I'm like, oh, this is the way we eat. This is our culture, you know. And she's like, um, yeah, but that's not proper. It's not <laughs> That's not sanitary. It's not it's sanitary. Not. And then she eats her she eats her hamburger with her hands. You know. Mm. <laughs> she eats her french fries with her hands. She eats her chicken nuggets with her hands. And you can see all these kids eating uh, finger foods with their hands. So what is what is the line? Is it cuz I uh, I'm not eating typical American food that I cannot eat my hands. Is there certain foods that you can eat your hands with, but when it comes to rice and chicken, you can't eat with your hands? Uh, where is the line drawn? And I think is it the line is drawn. I'm Filipino. <laughs> yeah, I, I that's think right. that's that's one. And I think they should see you eat uh, Filipino food like uh, the sinigang type. <laughs> <laughs> 
because that involves skill, you know, in order yeah. for you to, to gather the rice. And, I still can't do that yeah, though. And, but with sabaw, I would much rather have a spoon. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm, so, I'm naturally clumsy. I think next time, Justine, if someone would, you know, approach you and ask you about eating with your hands, just pour out that soup and then show them your capability of <laughs> handling <laughs> rice in a soupy way. We're multi-skilled. But seriously, exactly. <laughs> But but seriously, I want to ask you, like, because you were talking about this, you know, uh, with your teacher approaching you. And in the grand scheme of things, we have this uh, thing right now, which is the Asian uh, hate going on in America. Mm -hmm. So how do you fight for your identity when it is under attack? Like, how how do you do that with all the Asian hate happening around your, your place there? How do you fight for an identity when it is under attack? You know, um, it's interesting how everything has come to light because of COVID. You know, first we had Black Lives Matter. And now we yeah. have the Stop Asian Hate. And I think what a lot of people don't realize is that there all has always been Asian hate. There has always been oppression against people who are not white in America. Um, but the way that I've been kind of coping with you know, seeing all of these incidents on the news and seeing all of the the discrimination that goes on in public is you bind together with your fellow Kababayans and you always fight for everybody, whether it be your Filipino, your Vietnamese, your Chinese, your Japanese. Um, it's really important that we stay united because this is not the first time or the last time that this will happen. This has occurred so many times in our history, and I, I briefly talk about it in Halo Halo. But um, once we learn that this has always been a thing and nothing, you know, what were the strategies in the past that fixed it? And what are the new strategies that we can do now to stop it? And I think a huge factor is unity among the Asian community and um realizing that even if I'm Southeast Asian, right, even if I'm Filipino and I have darker skin than someone who is Korean or Chinese or Japanese, that um, in the eyes of America, they all meld us together. So why not bind together and um, fight together anyway to advocate together, to go to our local, you know, law law enforcement or, or politicians and you know, suggest things that we could do to protect our community. Um, and so, yeah, unity is a huge factor to it. Mm-hmm. You know, when, when I remember um, the previous Filipino, uh, the previous ambassador, Philippine ambassador to UAE, would always say, now we Filipinos are makabayan and we are makajos. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's one thing that has really strengthened the Filipino nation, the Filipino culture since the dawn of time. Um, in your personal experience, how has being how has this also helped you? Like yung makajos, um, the the faith that you have, has this also had an impact in in this rediscovering your Filipino heritage and your Filipino identity? Oh, how has, the, has yeah? Can you share um, that mm-hmm. experience? Um, a few years, uh, not a few years ago, two years ago, I um, so. Pinasali ako ng mom ko sa ano, um, 
Santa Cruz and do you know what that is? <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> oh, yes, we totally know that, don't worry. <laughs> so I was Reina de las Flores and I was like, oh my wow. gosh. Wow. We have a beauty queen in the house. Uh, oh my gosh. It was so embarrassing. Call Steve Harvey because we found the queen. The Reina. Yes. <laughs> Just simply send us your picture of that oh, so that yeah. we can put it as, as the cover art. <laughs> oh my God, I would not. But... um. <laughs> You know, I was at first like, oh my gosh, this is so extra, <laughs> you know, but seeing the Filipino community come together when in America, especially not much in Los Angeles, but in the United States as a whole, we are so separate from each other in our little pockets mm. of, of um, I guess, our own little worlds because there's no really sense of one community here. Um, it was really nice to see uh, everyone come to join a common kind of a practice and um, spiritual and spiritual kind of event that we had. And I find that to be true in a lot of ways because growing up, the only one community that I had was uh, a religious community of Filipinos called Santa Maria Bulacan Association. And we come together every year for a fiesta. And throughout the year, we hold um, baons and prayers for mm. the Mama Mary. We pass around our our uh, statue of Mama Mary to each house and we come together every month and at the end of in Mama Mary's birthday in February we have this huge fiesta and I think that was such a huge part in me not letting go of my cultural heritage and identity because I was always surrounded by this huge community of, of Filipino people from my homeland from my hometown um and they were always telling me stories. They were always, you know, teaching me the, our religious practices in the Philippines and how we celebrate here versus there. And I never felt um, super disconnected to my culture, even though I had to turn on and turn off that light switch when I went to school because of that one religious like entity that we had. Um, so I guess in that kind of organization, it it emulates makajos at makabayan, right? Because we come mm. together because of our religion and because of our faith. That's nice to know. Like it's, I think it's it's uh, everywhere. Even here, uh, I'm very open with uh, the, this podcast, telling that I found God here in the desert when I was away from the Philippines. The religion or faith has become the bonding tool that served as my piece of home. Mm-hmm. And that's where, you know, that's why we I met you. Through that. That's nice to know, uh, mm. Justine, you know, like the faith, like people tend to put that as the last bonding agent, as the last uh, way of connecting back home. But then, but then at, at the end of it all, we can always find home in Him, mm. in Christ. That's right. And Justin, just to to wrap, wrap things up, I'd like you to invite our listeners to check out your upcoming book. Can you tell us a, a bit about that? Yes. We've been talking about it the whole episode, but you know, just for you to to invite our dear listeners to for for the book and when do they expect it? Where where, where can they find you or find that book? Of course. Yes. So, um I, my Instagram is halohalo.poetry um, and my book will be coming out this late April. I think April 30th is the date that my 
publisher gave me. Um, I will I will be sending out the pre-sale orders first, but after that it will be available on Amazon for our international customers. Um, but it can also be available in our independent bookstores and um, big bookstores as well, such as Barnes and Noble here in the United States. But if you wow. are um, wow. in you know a different country, like you guys are in UAE, um, is Amazon available to you guys there? Yeah, we, yeah, we yeah. do. Okay, we do so, have here. Okay, Meeting na sobrang ngayon yung Amazon eh. <laughs> Bakit? Ang dami na papa-add to cart ng mga iba dyan eh. <laughs> <laughs> Grabe na naman. Ito na naman po tayo. Parang nilino ko na yun sa previous episode natin. Hindi naman. You know. Sinasabi ko lang naman. Bakit affected ka? Ano yun? Bato-bato sa langit eh. <laughs> But that's good. I mean, we'll include that in the show notes. Uh, when we, we do air this episode, you can check out the work of Justine. And uh, we do honor you for your courage to speak out. You know, this is not a an easy topic to talk to. No, It's a not- very sensitive topic to, to begin with. And she's there. Like, she's yeah, speaking interview. there uh, interview. in America. She's not with us here. But, uh, yeah, we honor you for, for your courage to 20. to let our langa have a pick yung, ako ano yung, yung, yung situation there in right. America. So before we end, um, Justine, if we can just ask to, if you could share a couple of lines of maybe your favorite poem or something that until now it really resonates with who yeah. you are and the mission that you want to bring through Halo Halo. That you can leave our Langat listeners yeah. with. I actually have a, a poem that I wanted to share with specifically you two um, because I think it um, shows what your podcast stands for and, and, and the melding of Kababayan and um, Makajos. Um, so it's called Nanai and it's uh, it's a poem that I wrote for my my uh, my grandma, my Lola, from my dad's side. Nanai. My Nanai runs laps to and from the Simbahan to the Palenque, selling the clothes off of her back, the slippers under her feet, and necklaces laced with sampaguitas to buy a fistful of rice and slices of meat the size of two fingers. She divides food evenly amongst her four children and husband and leaves three grains of rice for herself. She says, The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are enough to fill her stomach, with the faith to carry all of the weight of her family's survival. The pressure pushes down on her calves just as much as the earth's gravity presses down on her shoulders. She lifts her children up with nothing but a sixth grade certificate, a bag of clothes to sell, and a pig pen in the backyard. Simply lang ang buhay namin, pero masaya. Our life is just simple, but happy, she says, with a tired smile, with three twinkles of light in her eyes. But even when her knees buckle and her legs quake, or when her chest clutches and her art and her heart aches, she digs out the overgrown weeds of her past plant seeds in the present so they can bloom into a perfume of sampaguitas in the wind praying to the father son and holy spirit that maybe tonight she'll be able to fill her stomach amazing that was great that was uh actually <laughs> she's crying now <laughs> I mean, we go then. That's really that's really heartfelt. Thank you, Justin, for sharing that to yeah. our listeners and to us. And, um, uh, mm-hmm. so, 
Dibs. Thank you. <laughs> Dibs. <laughs> Thank you for that. Thank you. I mean, we we don't know how to to end this episode now because of that very deep uh, thought. Uh, very beautiful words. piece. Yeah, I of thought it was the perfect word, word yeah. for you guys. Um, Nanay. Mm-hmm. So, what is the Langa speaking to you today? <laughs> First of all, thank you, Justine. Oh. <laughs> um, sa akin, I think like um, on a lot of levels, nakarelate din ako kay Justine kahit malayo siya, even if she's living in a different time zone. But to be able to rediscover my own Filipina identity, um, it took me a lot of years as well to appreciate. And it's sad na even though that it took me like college years, Um, late high school college for me to really be like yes I'm Filipina and proud of it um, but there was one thing that that Justine mentioned that yung the to be connected to family yeah. and that's why I was so thankful na sina daddy at mommy that every year even though other people from here during school Um, summer break they would travel to different countries for their vacation but we were always like we would go home to the philippines and meet all of yeah. my lolas lolos titas titos uh, my cousins because that's how we you know really um strengthen our bond not only with our family but with our f- our filipino culture and i think that's the strength of the filipinos no matter what that the, the love of family will really bring you home Um, and in the same way, the the langa is like saying, if you really strengthen your family, not only um, biologically, but then yung sa kanya bilang tatay natin, de ba? If you strengthen your bond, yung sa pagmamahal sa kanya, you will always be brought home, no matter where you're planted. Yun para sa akin. Charles, na touch talaga ako. Nisip ko talaga yung mga yung mga lola ko na. Ko talaga yung target market niya. Oh talaga, nakakaloka ka. <laughs> Kahit yung kasi kasi I grew up At away from effective. my lola and Yeah. <laughs> ko talaga, makamana ka talaga tayo sa marketing. Pero ako kasi like I grew up away, I grew up far from my my grandparents. But if it wasn't for the effort of my grandparents, my parents wouldn't have been able to come here and our family wouldn't be Uh, who we are today if it wasn't for the efforts of my of my lolo my lola ganyan so talaga na feel yung na feel ko yung love doon it's the same with me i mean uh ikaw pa naman yung yung tawag niyo ba naman sa lola niyo nanay yeah yeah and uh, it really resonated with this conversation uh kind of reminded me that i ident- the identity that was imbued in me is all i have and i have to to embrace it i have to love it because if I want if I reject the very thing that I am then how can how can I be a blessing to to more people right. if I myself uh so with the conversation that we had you know it's been almost an hour but it really spoke volumes to a lot say yung mga langa I I know that most of you there will be times that you might hate yourself there may be times that you may feel ashamed of who you are especially being a Filipino but I think we just have to do uh, to to look deeper into ourselves, into the beauty that God has given us in 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 being a Filipino. Right. Natin tanongin, uh, ano ba po, ano po ba yung biyaya na pagiging Filipino? What are the blessings attached to being a Filipino? And this conversation says it all. Thank you, Justin, for Thank the you. beautiful work that you're doing. And of course, uh, I mean, you, know, you still have a long road ahead. You're gonna take your PhD, and uh, we can't wait for your for your book to launch. And yes, I know that it you. will bless a lot of people. I know that thank it will bring a lot of uh, Filipinos home. Filipinos back home. Thank you so much. Um, I think it's uh, coming out in a timely manner. So 
especially here in the States. So I'm hoping that it could bring light to our community. You will. You Amen. will. You have already brought light through this Amen. episode. Amen. That's it. This is me, Jeric. And this is Apple. Always reminding you na palanggaka sang Diyos. See you next week. Bye. Bye. The views and opinions expressed by the podcast creators, hosts, and guests do not necessarily reflect the official policy and position of Podcast Network Asia. Any content provided by the people on the podcast are of their own opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything. <laughs>